You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for day number two of our nine-day Oscar Best Picture recap series, leading all the way up to the 2020 Academy Awards. I can't remember if it was 90th, 91st, 92nd, somewhere in the 90s there. Uh, but we're reviewing every single Best Picture. Is now this will be our third year in a row doing this. And last night we covered uh, The Irishman, uh, which uh, for those of you who decided to watch it after we finished podcasting, <laughs> press pause now. You can finish the second half later because um, now we got to talk about a much shorter movie, Marriage Story, starring our favorite Adam Driver, a real man, oh. uh, a, a man's man, a shirtless man occasionally, <laughs> uh, a man with an incredible voice. As, uh, my wife has completely fallen in love with him for some reason, and I keep looking at her going, what? But it's Adam Driver, so I'm okay with it. And a bunch of other great actors in there as well. Uh, some very surprising. And Ellie Sadler as Ben Tease <laughs> from Jurassic Park. And uh, we got uh, how many of these to go after this? Seven. Seven? So we have covered, after today, all of the Netflix Best Picture nominated <laughs> movies. So we're getting the free ones out of the way first because we're cheap people. <laughs> after this, you got to start paying money. Uh, let's get into it. My name is Colin, and you're like my father. You're also like my mother. You're all the bad things about all these people, but mostly your mother. And my name is Ben. And even though I'm 64 and have a dead K husband, I manage to get up every day and live my life and feel pretty good about myself. So maybe your Ben knows a thing or two. <laughs> uh, that is true fact about Ben too. By <laughs> that the wasn't way. a quote from the movie. I've just been wanting to say that for quite some time. <laughs> that was from the journal of Ben Waterworth. It is. Yesterday's entry. Coming soon. <laughs> Marriage Story. This is um, – I'm just going to go exactly with what I said at the end of yesterday's episode. This is easily on paper the simplest movie here, but I feel like there's so much complexity with how it's handled. And and it's just – it's a story about – they call it Marriage Story, but it really is Divorce Story. It's a couple (laughs) getting divorced. It doesn't end the way you think it's going to end. It doesn't have these big twists along the way. It's just – it's presenting these real-life events in a very real way. And surprisingly, in a way where it never really takes one side or the other, and, and both characters, you know, Adam Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, completely get you know their moment to shine, and they completely get their moment to look like a fool. It, it seems like one of the fairest movies ever made on both a male and female perspective. Uh, you know, which you know, I'll talk a little bit about you know uh, Jamie's reaction when she watches with me. But I got to say, I mean, I. I I knew I was going to enjoy Adam Driver in this movie. Uh, I thought, okay, this sounds okay. It's gotten a lot of acclaim. I didn't realize I'd come out of this like really, really loving this movie. But like, I absolutely love this movie. Hands down, 100% agree with you. There are four movies out of these nine that I I fucking love. And just all of them could end up as my number one. Um, But yeah, I, I didn't expect to like this movie as much as I did. I'd heard good things about it. Um, and... I often don't like to try and go into these movies like, oh, this is going to be good because people are telling me it's good. But this really is a good movie. Um, And, yeah, you're right. It's just the most simplest out of all of them. It is a very simple story. It's literally just about a couple who are getting a divorce. That's it. And it's just very well written, incredibly well acted. Adam Driver is the modern-day Pierce Brosnan. He is just a beautiful man who I will love (laughs) in everything. Make Adam Driver James James Bond. Hashtag make it happen. 
Um, and look, I'll be honest with you, like, Scarlett Johansson is fine. I've never been a lover or a hater of Scarlett Johansson. She's just always been there to me. And she's amazing in this movie. She's so good. Yeah. Um, the little boy actually isn't that bad. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> and then you, you look at, like, Laura Dern, who is great. And I've, of course I love Laura Dern. She's Ellie Sattler. Not so much for Holdo, but she was still Laura Dern in a Star Wars movie. Why not? Um, Alan Alder's in this movie, because why not? Uh, Ray Liotta, who I love Ray Liotta. So just a couple of people there that just really make this movie good. And I got, I, I remember growing up, a random movie that I used to really enjoy as a kid was Kramer vs. Kramer. Uh, or Kramer vs. Kramer, yeah. however you say it. Uh, Mum had it on the video shelf, and I just remember randomly watching it as a kid and, for some reason, enjoying it. Um, and this gave me a lot of vibes of that movie, which I think it has got a few comparisons to it. But, I mean, that too, in itself, is a very simple film about a couple getting a divorce, fighting over custody of a child. So, very similar thing. So, maybe this is just a genre of movies that people need to make more. It's just, hey, divorce is actually really interesting. <laughs> make it into movies more often because you get really good acting in a really good film. We need to have more fun with divorce. Yes. Come on. Can you and Jamie get a divorce and I can just film it? <laughs> we'll podcast about it. Yes. You know, award-winning podcast series. <laughs> um, you know, I'll talk about Scarlett Johansson first just because you brought her up. And uh, I think I have the exact same opinion as you. I've never had a problem with her. Um, I've never been wowed by her. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where I'm like, wow, that was an incredible performance. And I didn't come into this expecting to – walk out of it praising her just as much as Adam Driver. Like, this is the strongest performance for her career by far. It is one of the strongest performances I've seen this year. And she plays it so unlike herself. And I think that maybe if there's one complaint I have about her is that she tends to always just sort of come across the exact same way. There's not a lot of depth to her as an actress. You know, she'll play different types of characters, but she always plays it the same way. And maybe one-dimensional not a bad actress or one dimensional. There is so much to this character and so much to how she plays it. There's little quirks. Some of the long dialogue scenes, like particularly the, um, the, I mean, the famous one is the argument that, you know, oh. her and Adam driver have, but the scene where she's meeting Laura Dern for the first time, like go, going over uh, her history with this divorce attorney. And there's, there's little things she's doing where you could see nervousness. There's like, you know, ticks, there's, awkward movement there's you know avoiding eye contact and it just feels so natural with her performance like i was completely blown away by her i didn't expect to be uh you know laura dern same thing completely deserving of her nomination you know sometimes when you get a movie like this where everybody seems to get nominated you almost feel like okay well you know they're just throwing nominations out there but like i I could make a solid argument that laura dern could win the oscar this year as well i mean everybody from this movie can and it's the people who didn't get nominated where I'm like, I was watching this and I'm like, man, Ray Liotta has never been better. You know, mm. Alan Alda has never been better. Alan Alda, especially like I'm actually kind of shocked he didn't get a nomination because, you know, everybody loves Alan Alda so much. But yeah, it's like what you said yesterday. This is a year where performances are driving movies, but not to take away from the writing. The writing is the strongest thing in this movie. The, the dialogue flows in a way here that is just so natural and awkward and yet not laughable. Like the argument scene will be the best example of that when we eventually, you know, get into that because it just feels so real in a way where the audience is 100% realizing what these characters aren't realizing, which is that they're making fools of themselves. The saddest thing for me is that I feel with the exception of Laura Dern, that they're not going to get the statue, Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, because 
I think the best actor and best actress categories are such a lock this year that just they're going to miss out. And any other actresses, uh, Renee Zellweger's pretty much got it for Judy. So, Mm. you know, that's one we're not going to be watching. Sorry, people. Um, (laughs) I I hear she's good. Um, but I look, I, and I would usually be angry about that. But the thing is when we eventually get to Joker and I've talked up Joaquin Phoenix enough that, I mean, he will thoroughly deserve finally winning an Oscar, but if he wasn't in it this year, Adam driver would easily be the best of all of them because he's just so good. But Adam driver is going to win one. He has to win an Oscar. This guy needs 50 of them. You know, he is just that good. But, yeah, like, I agree with everything you said, and I think that the realism aspect is is exactly what sells this because it does feel so natural when you're watching these people interact. Nobody feels forced in this film. You don't feel like they're playing caricatures of, of a couple or something like that. And you said it at the very beginning, too, is that this movie does such a good job in making you both sympathize with each of these people and the opposite as well. Like there's so many portions of this movie where you're on Scarlett Hansen's side, then you're on Adam Driver's side and then you disliking both of them along the way. Like it's just, it's crazy because I feel a movie like this generally, you're always on one side or the other. Like I felt like I was, you know, always on, on one side on, you know, Dustin Hoffman's side in Kramer vs. Kramer. I don't know if that's just because I'm a man or I was a kid and I'm dumb. I don't know. But like, I feel, well, I think that movie also was meant to be, <laughs> Thank you. I think I'm that was I'm supposed interpreted to be that the yeah. correct way. Then yeah. uh, <laughs> I was really on the side of that naked woman in that movie. That's all I remembered as a kid. I think it was the first time I'd ever seen a naked person in a movie before. I'm like, Ooh, what's this? Um, but yeah, like I just think it does such a good job of all of it. And yeah, just, the natural conversation you're mentioning, Laura Dern. Like, the thing with Laura Dern's performance, too, is that I was expecting just, like, this incredibly, like, huge performance by her, but she's just so natural and it's just so well-played and well-done that it's, you know, if you were to kind of just watch a clip of it versus, say, a clip of some of the other ones nominated for Best Supporting Actress, you'd be like, oh, wait, okay, like, that's strange that she got nominated for that, but it's just, it is such a great performance. And yeah, Alan Alder as well. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely agree. I think Alan Alder is just, wow. This, I didn't even realize he was still acting. I thought he retired, but God. I jo- thought he was dead. Jo- Jonathan Penn is looking good, isn't he? <laughs> is Jonathan Penner in this? Yeah, well, you know, that's, don't you know the whole Alan Alder, Jonathan Penner joke? No? No? Uh, no? <laughs> listen to Jonathan Penner and then listen to Alan Alder and you tell me they're not the same person. Oh, okay. Similar. Okay. Well, I, as soon as you said that, I, I realized. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to talk about, like, you mentioned with Laura Dern, like it's not that big of a performance, but um, I think that this movie is so subtle in its delivery. As you said, you are 100% behind Adam Driver. Then you're 100% behind Scarlett Johansson. Then you're 100% against Adam Driver. I don't feel like there's ever a moment where you're against either of them. Because I, I, I think the smartest thing this movie does is it starts off with the good. Uh, we're going to spoil one thing here. And that's just the opening scene is literally a montage of them happy mm. and them narrating what they love about the other person. And then after that, you realize, well, there's tension here and stuff like that. So you've started so much with the good that I don't think you're ever looking down on either of these characters. But then as the movie progresses, you may see it from one point of view over another. But with Laura Dern's character, the greatest thing is that she's the one character you can see through right away. And I actually think that's kind of the point of the movie is that she's presented in a way where she's introduced. You're so sympathetic. And then as soon as that scene ends, it, the character, not the characters, but the audience realizes – She's the villain of this movie. <laughs> she's the scum sucking lawyer. You know, she's she's totally embracing this, but she's <laughs> doing it in a way where other people aren't going to realize that. Uh, but then it, by the time you finish the movie, you realize 
it's the exact same way with the leads. Like there's a line that appears over and over again in this movie, which I, I don't want to spoil too much, but but it's basically we discussed it, right? Uh, not disgusted. We discussed it. Uh, and that's really the key to the entire movie is that there's so much of these characters literally saying the exact same thing, but then not seeing that they're, they're basically making the same argument. Like uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to articulate this uh, without spoiling anything. Um, so Adam driver will be looking at it from his point of view and saying, this is why I'm right. And this is why you're wrong, Scarlett. And she's going to be saying, no, this is why I'm right. And this is why you're wrong. But neither of them are actually smart enough to realize that what they're faulting the other person for is exactly what they're guilty of. Mm. And it takes you until very late in the movie to see through these characters. And I think it's around the time of that argument where you're like, they're both idiots <laughs> in the nicest way. You know, they just they they can't see that they're essentially the same person and that they're both at fault and that, that you know, neither of them are terrible people for it. But they're they're doing the exact same thing. But what's great is when you see Ray Liotta, when you see Laura Dern, you see through them right away. And then it comes to the end of the movie where you start to see through these other characters. And it's just it's just a brilliant moment where you realize how good of a filmmaker Noah Baumbach is, where he's presented all these characters. The lawyers are no different than this couple. It's just the audience sympathizes with the couple in a different way. I 100 percent agree. And I think what that does is it just this this is perfect portrayal of relationships We've we've all mm-hmm. been in relationships most of us i don't think noah has but you know whatever um but hello noah if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> she don't know her all of a sudden <laughs> nobody loves noah <laughs> if i could get in a relationship noah what's wrong with you um <laughs> Ah, he won't listen to this one. There's no Koreans in this movie. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like we all know having been in relationships except for Noah. Stop it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so mean all of a sudden. Um, but the, <laughs> this is the complexity of it because we all view our relationships through one gays like we know hmm. from our perspective i'm right you're wrong but then of course our respective others are going to sit the same way and then people looking in will and that's just what i feel you connect with this movie and what makes it so good is because yeah on that whole notion where you feel for each of them at certain parts of the movie because you're definitely understanding certain traits literally when Mallory and i are watching that opening montage that you're talking about we're both commenting, you, 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 you. <laughs> like, just some of the things that they're saying. We had bo- And we both openly were like, yeah, no, you're right. Yep, that's me. <laughs> like, it's just kind of little things like that. Um, and that's, the same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, oh, it's, cr- it's incredible. And just, again, you, you're not going to get a, a feeling or a, a sense of, you know, enjoyment out of this or realism out of this if you don't have such incredible acting in this movie like you do. And I think kind of the casting of this movie is just absolutely spot on with all of that. I mean, you know, we, we like to often think about what other actors could be in this role to to play this, but I don't want to in this instance because I think yeah. kind of everybody right now just would absolutely, they're, they're perfect for all the roles that they're playing. Yeah, and, and you know, another thing you, you mentioned, like that opening scene, um, I think it's about halfway through this movie where you actually realize this is the divorce story. 
up until that point, it's not like you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a happy ending. The characters are going to get back together. It, it, you're viewing as, as far as what the point of the movie is, is this movie's about relationships. And then halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, no, this movie's about, you know, uh, how relationships fall apart. And then you realize, no, it's about, you know, how people blame other people. It, it just it, it unfolds differently. But at the beginning of the movie. I think anybody, it doesn't even have to be whether you've gone through a divorce, you just get it because everybody has, you know, had these same arguments. Like the funniest thing is, um, uh, I think it was when Laura Dern's character was talking uh, the first time she met Scarlett Johansson and she was explaining, you know, uh, really it was her looking at it in a one-sided way. She was saying, you know, uh, men, they'll uh, absolutely adore us until we have kids and then, you know, they, they don't have time to be affectionate with us or this or this or that. And we're not as important anymore. We're just the mother of the kids. And I actually paused. I turned to Jamie because we had had a conversation like this before. And this isn't like, you know, airing dirty laundry or anything. But like there have been plenty of times. I'm sure you've had the same thing where plenty of times where, you know, your significant other will be like, you know, you're not as affectionate with me as you used to be. You know, you used to be be uh, totally different with me. I mean, maybe it's because we have kids or maybe even if you just settle in and start living a regular everyday life. And I remember telling Jamie one time, I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I've had the same conversation with you where I'm like, you used to take a lot more interest in me. You know, you'd have conversation with me. Now I come home and I try to tell you how things are going on with me and you're sitting there texting people on the phone. Oh, that's interesting. You can't repeat my words back. (laughs) Each person has from a different perspective and it's only when you reach that point where you realize you're both doing the same thing, but that's just life. And I think that's where I'm not going to say I disagree with this movie and saying, oh, these people should never have gotten divorced or whatever because there's more to it than that. But it's when people are like, everybody's had that one person like, you know what, you know, my spouse or whatever, they stopped doing this and they're a terrible person. You're like, yeah, but guaranteed you did the same thing. It just depends on your point of view. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the one thing I found really interesting with this, just the fact that this is all about custody of their kid in a lot of ways. And, you know, when that part came up about, you know, oh, you know, once you have the kid or whatever, that is totally life for us. Like we've got, you know, a three-year-old plus we got twins and no joke. If we have 20 minutes at the end of the day where all the kids are put away, we're lucky, but that's basically we have 20 minutes and then we're falling asleep. So there's not time to, to be the same person you were beforehand. And that's the other thing I found so interesting about this movie is that even though they're, they're starting the movie at the beginning of their divorce, they find a way to help you understand their entire relationship from the moment they met through when they got married, through when they had the kid, through the good times with their kid, through the bad times of their marriage, all the way to the end. You have this complete story that is exactly the same as any relationship anybody has if they've been in a relationship for longer than you know a couple of months. And yet this movie started at the end of it. Except for Noah. Except for Noah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, no. I really am sorry. I, 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 I no doubt expect you to be more successful in life, in marriage, and everything than I ever will. But let's be honest. End of this decade, I'll Wait, probably be engaged like, again just... to like a French person or something. I don't know. I love that you're engaged right now. In the year you're apparently getting married, you're like, Noah, you're gonna have way more success than I have. <laughs> Destined for failure. Well, wasn't it Rossi making fun of me recently that oh, I'm engaged again? Like there I am. Yeah. Like... <laughs> How did you start well, the decade, decade again, Ben? Oh, engaged. How did you end the decade? Oh, engaged to someone different. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I get it. I suck. But, um, you yeah, know, like, again, I, I agree with everything um, 
that you're saying uh, with it. And because, like, this is, for a for a Netflix film, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that... How do Netflix movies make money? Do you know the answer <laughs> to this? <laughs> like, I mean, I would assume... I don't know if the movies... Like, do they have a way of paying for profits on something like this? Because it makes sense to me why Netflix would pick up movies. Because if they've got you know, a hundred million or it's pro- maybe it's not that high. I don't know what the number is, but let's say they, let's say they have 10 million people subscribing and each of those people are paying $10 a month. They're clearing, you know, a hundred million dollars per month. You know, that's like a billion something a year. I understand how they would make money. It's why these movies, like who makes money off of these movies? Cause it's not like Netflix just says, Hey, we're going to pay. And then that's it. I mean, in a regular world, a movie, you know, there's going to be percentages paid. And like, how do they pay the percentages on that? Well, this one got more downloads. They don't even track their downloads. That's what I, I would assume that maybe it's based on downloads or views. You get a certain percent. I don't know, because I mean, when Adam Sandler signed that, whatever, how many movie deal did he sign? Like obviously he's going to get a certain percentage, but and I'm sure Netflix are the ones. I mean, this movie costs $18 million to make. So Netflix, no doubt, pays for that money. Cool, he's $18 million. Go make me a movie about a couple. Great. But then, yeah, how does Noah, what's his name? Bombach? Bum, bum, back. Back. bum, Yep, yep, that guy. How does he make money off that? Like, is it just Netflix gives him a, a straightaway fee at the beginning? Does it, they pay Adam Driver? Do they pay Laura Dern? Do they pay Scarlett Johansson? Like, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. They give them one year free subscription to Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, finally, I stopped living off my friend's password next door. That's all. Oh, I have that to was say. the end. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, this is Colin and Al there's... podcast host story. Uh, we just awkwardly <laughs> pause and don't say anything. Look, there's so much we could talk about. This is one of these movies where it's like it wouldn't fit in with many of the months we do, and it's not something you're really going to make a lot of fun of. But I wish we could do a full recap on this. There's so much there. But, like, we have to talk about the one scene, the one big argument. Because I think the most interesting thing about this movie is that these two characters are very cordial to each other because they do have a child. And even though you can tell there's tensions, they're trying not to let this divorce get ugly. You know, they're trying to keep a decent relationship. They even say, you know, they want to stay friends. And it's just you see how hard it is throughout this process for them to, you know, be civilized human beings to each other. But they they try. And there's really only the one moment, which has sort of become this famous scene, you know, a, a scene slash meme slash multiple profile pic uh, <laughs> uh, of this this very heated argument that they do have. And I don't go into too many details about that other than the fact that just kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, it's like the one moment where it suddenly becomes clear to the audience that these people are being hypocritical, that they are the exact same person, uh, that they're both at fault for the exact same things. And the argument just, it devolves in such a way where it's so ridiculous. And as the audience member, you're watching it, it's only like, you know, two minutes into this and you realize that everything they're saying makes them look like complete idiots. But that is real too. When people get in the heat of the moment, they're like, yeah, but then there was that one time where you, you know, didn't hold the door open for me. <laughs> and then I got dirt all over myself and I hate you and I want you to die because of that. You know, this is the way arguments happen. And I, I feel like this is the most realistic argument I have ever seen in any movie ever. And yet considering it is probably the darkest moment in the movie for these characters, this is the strength, I think, of the entire movie. This is an, a very enjoyable movie. Even that scene, it feels light somehow. It Maybe it's because of the absurdity of it. Or maybe it's because just at the right moment, you know, Noah Baumbach knows when to cut the tension or how to cut the tension. But 
I, even at a moment like that, I, I was not, you know, depressed in any way watching this movie. And yet you feel like on the surface it should be a depressing movie. But this entire movie is so enjoyable. And that one scene almost makes me laugh in a way, even though you're you're kind of heartbroken for the characters at the same time. I don't think I've ever been so captivated by a scene in a, in a very long time. And I... I didn't know that this was kind of the scene of this movie. I kind of went into this blind and I think that made it even better for me. Cause if there was a scene, you know, how sometimes you watch a movie and then it's like, Oh, there's this one scene that you won't forget. Like that can kind of bring up that whole level of, Oh, when's it coming? When's it coming? Was that it? Was that it? So having no clue about this just made it all the more better. And yeah, I think just the way the whole scene goes from one end to the other, because it just, it does just escalate so quickly. And, I don't know about you, you and Jamie seem like a good couple uh, from what I've seen, but like I've definitely been in relationships where I've had fights like this. I've not threatened to do, well, not said some of the things that are said at the end of like this argument by Adam Driver. But like I, this is just a weird personal thing to bring up, but like I do remember one of my relationships getting into a fight that you literally get so angry that you are just your whole body is just taken over by your anger and your emotion because you're just so frustrated at that point. Uh, And that's what this whole scene is like for both characters. And it's just so amazing. Like, literally, literally gives me goosebumps watching it and just so absolutely connected to the screen. Like, it's just... It's one of those moments I feel you you need to experience watching a movie, and it's and it, all it is is two people yelling at each other, and they don't even start yelling at each other. It just starts off quite cordial, doesn't it? And then all of a sudden, they're screaming at each other. It's just... It's, it's such an incredible scene. Uh, overall, this is... I think applies to the entire movie. It's, it's not even like... You don't have to go through these events. You don't have to identify with these characters 100%. Just everything that these characters do, even if you've never been in an argument that that you know escalated that quickly or went that far, you still can relate to it. I think everything about this movie is so relatable, even for people who haven't been through a divorce or never been close to a divorce or never had a relationship get that bad where they would even consider that, you, still you find a way you can relate to this movie. Um, and we can all relate to the lawyers, can't we? Yes, exactly. Because I did you see Laura, like Laura Dern's um, Golden Globe speech? Uh, I thought you were to say, did I see Laura Dern's Golden Globes? I'm like, what are you asking me here? Um, <laughs> no, I did not. I believe I did. Oh, uh, you see should that. look it up. It, it's it, she makes a really, uh, it's brilliant the way she sets it up, especially because you know, you know, the times we're living in now and everything. She just talks about you know, uh, so happy to be living in a time where movies, you know, are representing you know these these. Uh, these these types of people who have never really been given you know a proper representation before and diversity and all this and then she's like you know the divorce lawyer really it's been t- <laughs> it's it's finally time that they're given like their, their chance <laughs> it's, it's just brilliant the way she did that um, she's great on social uh, media if you don't follow Laura Dern on social media like follow her she's she's what a what a human she is the female Adam Driver <laughs> oh no hang on a minute Can I, I stuff ask- that Adam Driver is the male Laura Dern. <laughs> um, I'm just curious about the female perspective here because I mentioned like You're Jamie and I me? watched this movie. We what's that? <laughs> You're asking me about the female. All right, sorry, the <laughs> no, feminist uh, voice of the podcast. I forgot. Sorry, well, I don't know if you watch this yourself or with Valerie, but like Jamie watches with me, and usually when there's been a lot of times we've seen movies, and if it's a movie that's told from the female point of view, I'm like, because this is gonna open up another can of worms, but like. Yeah, it is fair to say there are movies that, that, especially if they're made by men, that they don't represent 
women in a way that women feel like, oh, that's I definitely identify with that. I represent that. The same thing we said the other way. I can't tell you how many. There's a reason why there are no romantic comedies uh, or even, you know, love stories, period, that are typically told from the male point of view. Uh, and those are the movies where usually I watch with Jamie. I'm like, you know, they, they really shafted the male character on this. And and I'm not I'm saying say one way or the other. I'm saying if you have a male female cur, female cur, a male a male filmmaker or a female filmmaker, they're going to be telling their point of view. And you know, I think a really good filmmaker can tell both point of views. Every time we've watched movies prior to this. Even if it is a good movie and we're not saying like, oh, they totally shafted the male character. They totally shafted the female character. We're both like, yeah, but you know what? I see it from a different point of view. And whenever there's a movie about relationships like this, this movie, we walked away from every single scene completely agreeing on every single point. And I think that's the greatest thing about this movie is that there is maybe other people. I I honestly feel like if people walk away from this picking one side or the other, they miss the point of the movie. Because I think this movie is so good that I, I'm curious if everybody else has the same experience. We didn't say this person was more on the right, this person more on the wrong. We're both just basically, like, that's the story. It was real. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I did watch it with Mallory. And I think the only time I really remember Mallory voicing her concerns was there was a, I can't remember what scene it was, but she did voice something about Scarlett Johansson saying, oh, she's such a horrible person at one point. Um, but yeah, I don't think she really kind of said much afterwards saying like, oh, I was team adam driver you know what i mean so um <laughs> we're all we're driver. all team adam driver the world is a better place if we were team adam driver like that whole disease thing in china right now like if adam driver <laughs> just showed up to china it's like hi china i'm adam driver that should I be mean, that if, should be a talk show hi china i'm adam driver <laughs> if adam driver were the wingman of noah groves he'd be in a relationship <laughs> right now <laughs> No, actually, Noah just has to go onto Tinder and change his picture to Adam Driver, and then he'll have like <laughs> eighty likes straight away. Like, oh my god, Adam Driver! Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I think that it, it, you don't come out of this one way or the other. Um, and I think, again, I don't. Mallory didn't voice that as much as maybe Jamie did, but maybe we've got more of a problem in our relationship that we need to talk more or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Should I still be booking my vacation for your wedding? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that now. Um, I'll, I'll get on to Adam Driver. <laughs> Stuff Ryan Reynolds and um, Hugh Jackman officiating our wedding. Let's get Adam Driver there. I'll marry him instead. Uh, oh, nominations here. Um, I'm missing one of them because, unfortunately, I'm having to do this on my phone. Uh, but, obviously, it got nominated for Best Picture, got nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay. What is the sixth nomination? Because I'm missing one. Uh, original Score. Oh, Original Score. Okay. For Randy um, Newman. Randy Newman did the score. Randy You got a friend in me. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you've got an ex in me. <laughs> that should have been the theme song. So, he's nominated twice because he got nominated for the song from Toy Story 4. Which Was there a song in Toy Story 4? Can someone point out to me? I still haven't seen it. You don't see it. It's really not. I mean, it's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> it's... it's the ending is terrible. But anyway, the point is, Randy Newman. That's not Randy Newman. I don't know who that was. That was. <laughs> what you were doing there sounded like you were singing as Randy Newman. Oh, <laughs> 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 
I'm just kind of surprised if Noah Baumbach didn't get nominated for Best Director, too. And we'll, we'll cover this more when it gets to Little Women. I mean, that you can always say this person was snubbed. But what I want to hear more of is this person was snubbed because they made such an incredible movie. Like, I'm, I'm shocked that Noah Baumbach didn't get a Best Director nomination. But for that reason, I'm going to call him as the lock for Best Screenplay for this. Uh, so this is original screenplay, isn't it? So... Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh... But Tarantino's in that category, and if he doesn't... Like, isn't that the one that Tarantino always wins anyway? Well, I don't know. We'd have to go back and research that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that more, the, the, no, the, the, I guess, competition between these two next, uh, tomorrow. But uh... but based on, yeah, on, on opinions of movies and kind of the stories itself, I would I would easily go out and limb and say that, yeah, Noah Baumbach should win this in my perspective, but I just think that Quentin Tarantino will win that based on, I don't think he'll win any of his other two. So they want to give him one because everyone likes Quentin and the movie's good. I'm not saying it's not good, but you know, I just want to go back to the whole best actress thing, because I honestly believe that I think Scarlett Johansson has a better shot than most people are assuming. Cause I agree with you. The odds on favorite is Renee Zilliger. That's what everybody's saying, but I don't know. I, 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 it just feels like for somebody to win Best Actress for a movie that not that many people are familiar with, typically when that happens, it's a movie like when Olivia Coleman won for The Favourite. Uh, it was a movie that you know had tons of acclaim, uh, not many people are familiar with it, and then they gave it that one award. When you get an actress winning for a movie that doesn't really get any other nominations, that tends to come for things like you know um the blind side you know where where oh there's this one incredible performance in here but everybody's seen the movie and just i don't know if there's going to be as much love for renee zellweger based on the movie itself as there is for what marriage story i think the fact that marriage story is getting so much praise as a movie that might push her over the edge uh for scarlett johansson over the edge so i'm gonna say she's she's probably the best uh, odds out of all the locks that we're seeing to actually upset. I And I, I would be completely fine with that because, I mean, we shouldn't forget that Scarlett Johansson's nominated twice. That she's never been nominated before and then straight away she gets up twice. And when we get to Jojo Rabbit, I'm going to question how the hell she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Jojo Rabbit. I mean, she's in it for five minutes and it's like, okay, well, fine. Um, but, yeah, she's so good. And, look, I like Renee Zellweger. She's already got an Oscar, though. Um, so yeah, I also, that's the other thing. Yeah, and like I mean, honestly, out of all the acting categories, I think the best actress category is the one where we've got the least amount of actors from our best picture nominations. Because yeah. um, you know, when I don't think we're really going to sit down and watch Harriet, Judy, or Bombshell. Although I wouldn't mind seeing Bombshell, but um, Cerise Ronan in Little Women, for God's sakes! Like, I mean. <laughs> Sure, she's a new Meryl Streep. They're gonna nominate her. Well, no Meryl Streep's in Little Women, and she didn't get nominated. What's going on with the world today? You talk about hashtag Oscar <laughs> so white. Hashtag Meryl was snubbed. She was in a movie and didn't get nominated. What's going on, world? Uh, I, I'm actually kind of glad now that you said that she's in that and didn't get nominated because I feel like the bigger issue we have in today's world is Oscar so Meryl. <laughs> Oscar so Meryl. Oscar so Daniel Day. Um, that's, that's yeah, yeah. But I mean, in all seriousness, like Meryl Streep's in it for about as long as uh, Laura. De- uh, sorry, Scarlett Johansson is in Jojo Rabbit. So I'm surprised she didn't get nominated. Uh, so what are we going to do with this one? Um, oh, this it. one's an easy buy. Yeah, not even an argument. And if we're ranking uh, them which after means, two days, this is my number one film. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Irishman's number two. Um, 
And that brings us to what's going to be next, which is a movie we've already talked about a little bit here, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I think of all the Best Picture nominees, is this the one that's been the longest? Because this came out, I think, in July. Uh, I don't know if there were any that were released earlier than that. No, you would be right. I, don't, I mean, I don't know about Parasite. I don't know when Parasite was released in Korea. But um, no, you're you're right, because, gosh, we were meant to do this movie. <laughs> you and I were both like, we're yeah. going to go see it. Let's go. Have, and it just, it's just one of these ones that slipped through the cracks. It's It just never happened. So, um, yeah, this has been out for quite some time. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to give away too much of my feelings on this movie. I feel like this is another one where... I've got you know some positive and some negative opinions, but um, for a Tarantino movie, in in a weird way, this feels the least like a Tarantino movie to me. And I don't know whether I love that or, or dislike it more. I'm not sure, but I mean, this is gonna be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, we'll be as spoiler free as we can because it's gonna be tricky on this. But I mean, another long movie. But I'll just say this one did not feel nearly as long as The Irishman. Um. I will save that comment till tomorrow because I agree and disagree with that at the same time. But um, the difference between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman is that this comes across as a, such a more complete film that I feel you walk away with it from it going, yeah, okay, I get it, I like it. Whereas The Irishman, you kind of... Uh, 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 <laughs> but I think that's just what this movie is. It's a slow build. And I think that's very Tarantino, isn't it? Like, I feel like there's large portions yeah. of Tarantino movies where you're kind of like, oh my God, what's going on here? This is, is, it, is there a point to any of this? And then all of a sudden, the yeah. end of it, you're like, okay, I get it. Wow, that was pretty good. Yeah, like, good job, Quentin. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to talking about it because I'm actually kind of sad now that I didn't see this on the big screen. So, uh, and it, it is, as Tarantino does as well, I think it's just kind of, I went into this film with an expectation and, again, was completely blown away with my expectations. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to talking about it because this would be the first ever Quentin Tarantino movie we've ever done on the Oz Network, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we both had Pulp Fiction in our top 50 yeah. uh, favorite movies of all time. Uh, yes, I believe we did, yep. Yeah. All right, so Tarantino tomorrow, along with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and... Uh, another movie full of a bunch of actors that you're like, <laughs> they were in that? <laughs> what did they do with them? Uh, and we promise that we will keep it shorter than the the two and a half hour, two hour, 40 minute running time. Uh, make sure, as always, to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, like us on Facebook, Facebook <laughs> follow us on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Sound like Noah on a first date. <laughs> Until next time, my name is Colin, and for a good time, call Noah Groves, please. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and as Noah says on the first date, am I paying for this joke? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.